0: Just cursory study of American history will show you that Christians have been always at the forefront of every area in society, from the politics to education to academia to social reforms to health and healing to media to ministry to the needy, and the list goes on and on and on. But somehow, in the by and by, Christians began to flee These arenas, one after another, with the consequences that we have today in society, confusion, chaos, and discontentment. In fact, our generation can be described as the running away generation. Unlike the forebears who stood firm and paid dearly, we easily run away at the first sight of trouble— We run away at the first sight of problems. We run away at the first sight of difficulty. And yes, we run away at the very first sight of criticism. I saw that reflected several years ago in a Charlie Brown cartoon. A lot of wisdom you can gain from those cartoons. (laughs) Where Charlie Brown and Linus were chatting together and Linus says, I don't like to face problems head on. I think the best way to solve problems is to avoid them. Upon which Charlie Brown responded, he said, I think this is a distinct philosophy of mine. I always say there is no problem too big or too complicated that it cannot be run away from. (laughs) And because of this, we see broken homes, broken marriages, broken society, broken governments, and broken churches. In fact, that's where the King David was in Psalm 11. He had just defeated Goliath. Uh, He won a great victory. His popularity was soaring in the Jerusalem poll. The number one hit in the chart was a country song that went something like this. Saul killed his thousands, and David killed his tens of thousands. But envy and hatred on the part of Saul has reached demonic proportion." Just as hatred and bitterness and anger toward the true Christian faith today is reaching a demonic proportion, where Christians are being dragged in the courts, crosses are being removed from all over the nation, people are silenced from praying in public. Saul's javelins were raining on David like a deluge. Saul was terrorizing David, and that terrorism was relentless. Saul's anger and bitterness toward David was deadly. And so, what was the advice of David's timid friends to him in the light of circumstances? What was the counsel that his compromising friends were giving him at that time as he was facing all these serious problems? Verse 1, "'Run, run away, David, flee from danger. Give up your God-given right and surrender to your fears.'" Oh, but here's what David said again, verse 1. He said, how can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? You know, several hundred years later, the great prophet Nehemiah, who brought the people of God from exile in Persia and began to build the wall, the same thing happened, and he learned from King David. And under the guise of friendship, Nehemiah's enemies trying to look like friends, they try to stop him from building the walls, so they told him to run for his life. His life is in danger. And had Nehemiah run, the walls would never have been built. The enemies would be able to say, you see what we said about Nehemiah, we were right. He ran, and he left you alone. But Nehemiah's answer was like that of David, shall such a man as I run for his life? Beloved, please listen to me. When you are sold out to Jesus Christ... You do not run away from crisis. When you're sold out to Jesus Christ, you do not run away from the arenas in which God has placed you. When you're sold out to Jesus Christ, your life is not important. The gospel is. When you're sold out to Jesus Christ, your reputation is of no consequence. The gospel is. And when you're sold out to Jesus Christ, no one can intimidate you. No one can frighten you. No one can touch you. No one can take away anything from you without the permission of the Heavenly Father. You remember when Pontius Pilate was trying to intimidate the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said to him that he basically has the authority to take away his life, and he has the authority to spare his life. Let me give you the response of Jesus in a Yusef translation. Here's what Jesus said to him. In your dreams, Buster, <laughs> you cannot do a thing to me that my Father has not given you permission to do for I know that I am His one and only begotten Son. The word bird that David chooses in the psalm, it's really important because it is not the word for a dove. You see, when a dove flies away, it comes back. So David deliberately chooses the word for bird as a field sparrow. And a field sparrow Flies and flies and flies and flies and flies into the forest and into trees, never returns. Back in those days in Israel, all the trees in the forest were up in the mountains, far away from where people have lived. And so David's friend's advice was David, run away, boy, and never come back. And David answered in verse 1, he said, I will not flee from the challenge. I will not flee like a frightened bird. I will trust in the Lord. I will look only to the throne of God. I will look only to the One who sits on the rim of the universe, for He is greater than all of my problems. He is greater than all of my fears. He is greater than all of my challenges. He is greater than all of my diseases. He is greater than all of my past sins. He is greater than all of my present troubles. He is greater than all of my future anticipations. He is greater than soul's javelin, and I will not run. Far from running We need to stand firm. We actually need to storm the enemy's camp. You know, when Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your understanding. Do you know why he said that? Listen to me. Because whom you trust determines the quality of your victory. Whom you trust determines the level of your serenity. And trusting in God also includes taking responsibility for your actions, taking responsibility for the one you have become, taking responsibility of who you are, not your father, not your mother, not your boss, not even the government. Tragically, we have a government now that is creating a nanny state, and they're trying to absolve people from responsibility. They want the citizens to be dependent on them, not on God and God's people. They want the citizens to trust the government, not God. They want people to worship them, not the living God. They want people who are beholding to them, not to the living God. And the reason why governments want people to flee from their responsibilities instead of facing them is because they want to take control of their lives. And the reason people want to flee from responsibilities is because they do not want to face the consequences of the choices they make. That's a fact, but make no mistake about it. Choices have consequences. Say that with me. Choices have consequences. Oh, yeah, it might be a tripe. and maybe a, a cliché, but it's the absolute truth. And we have seen that in the last several years in our nation. We are experiencing it firsthand. We are seeing it before our own eyes. Our generation is full of people. They are running from life. They are running from their past. They are running from themselves. They are running from the javelins of reality. They are running from the consequences of their choices. Instead of facing the truth about themselves and finding their peace, in the God who promised forgiveness and peace. They run away. In fact, the gospel of escapism is the gospel of our generation. Do you know that we spend hundreds of billions of dollars on amusement? Do you know what the word amuse means? Well, the word muse means to think. And if you add the letter A, it means not to think. So we're spending hundreds of billions of dollars not to think. I want you to hear me right, please. When your marriage is facing some difficulties, and whose marriage doesn't face that? Somebody says, you know, marriage is made in heaven. I said, yeah, so is the thunder and lightning. (laughs) When you're facing trouble in your marriage, don't take the advice of David's friends and fly and fly and fly and fly away and flee like the field sparrow to the mountain. When you are facing problems on your job and in your calling and in your arena where God has placed you, what do you do? Don't listen to David's friend's advice to flee to the mountains. You need to hang in there and watch God do miracles in your life. In this country, while the union has become so powerful and bankrupting whole industries, uh, people in China are working long hours and outproducing us. While our government handing out welfare checks, other countries' citizens are working 12 hours a day. And today we have a government that wants to reward those who don't work and punish those who work hard. And we're going to say enough is enough. That's why I admire people. Who work hard and don't give up, no matter how difficult the situation may be. I read about this determined salesman who walked into a man's clothing store, and he said uh, to the owner, he said, uh, I want a job. And the man said, we're not hiring right now. He said, no, you would want to hire me. I'm really a great salesman. He said, no, we're not hiring right now. He said, you don't understand. I am really good. And the guy said, well, how good are you? He said, I'm the best. I can outsell all of your sales force. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, see that suit that's hanging on the wall? It was a purple and yellow polka dot suit. He said, that suit has been hanging on the wall for three years. I have been able to sell it. Now I'm going to go over to lunch. And when I come back, if you sell that uh, suit, he said, you have a job for life. So the man goes to lunch and comes back. And the salesman was leaning on the table. Clothes were torn, scratched a little bit, but the suit was gone. And the owner of the shop looked at him and said, you sold the suit? He said, yes, sir. He said, uh, did the customer give you any trouble? He said, not really. But he said, see that his seeing eye dog here? He nearly killed me. <laughs> 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 he didn't give up. <laughs> Listen. This is not to say that in these tough economic environments, there are not genuine people who are really having a hard time. Listen, I know that, and I know there are some people who really are struggling in these abysmal economic conditions we're in, and it's affecting everyone. But that is not a reason or an excuse to flee to the mountain. We need never to flee from the voting booth. I'm telling you, not voting is a sin because it's a responsibility and it's a stewardship that God has given us, and we must go and vote for the candidate who stands for the founding principles of this great country. In verse 3 of Psalm 11, David is talking about the foundation. He said, when the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? What is he doing here? He's lamenting the fact that when a government destroys biblical morality, when a government is out of its way to undermine personal responsibility, the foundation of the nation begins to shake from under our feet. And he's saying, what can the righteous do in the midst of these circumstances? And the answer is, be righteous. Stand firm. Do not abdicate. Do not run away from the battlefield. Don't flee to the mountains. And remember this, this advice is to every person of every age, whether you are young or old, this is a word from the Lord for you. Young people, school gets hard, don't flee. Finish what you started. If your friends mock your faith, don't flee. Stand up in Jesus' name. And call upon His power and and see how He can work in your life and your school. In fact, do not flee is the word that God has for every person here today. If you're facing giants standing between you and your promised land, don't flee. Stay there in Jesus' name. If you're facing a roaring lions, don't run like Daniel and like Paul in Ephesus. Look at those lions in the face. If you're facing a fiery furnace, don't run. Wait and see the Son of God who's going to come and walk with you in the middle of it and turn it into a beautiful garden. If you're facing your private Gethsemane that is soaked with tears, don't run. The resurrection is around the corner. Amen. Life does not consist of what you want to do, but of what you ought to do. Did you get that? And remember this. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a child of the Most High God. In your veins flow royal blood. The Bible says we are royal priesthood. So we're not just priests in stand in intercession, but we are royal priests— You are washed by the blood of the Lamb. You are a royalty in heaven, even if it may not look like it here on earth. You are the church triumphant. You are a joint heir with Christ. So say with David, how can I flee? I will trust in the Lord. Now take it from me. Take it from me. Life will not get exciting until you're able to look to the devil in the eye and say to him, Buster, I'm going to play the harp of the gospel until either Jesus comes back or he takes me home. I will never give up. I cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. In verse 2, David tells us about those who aim their arrows at us from the shadows. (laughs) I know some of you have been there, and when you can't see them, hiding behind the bushes, but these arrows are coming at you? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. I sure know. I understand. I've seen the arrows. I can't see them, but I see the arrows coming. But listen, God sees them. He sees where they're hiding. That's what the scripture's saying. Their end has not yet come. You just wait. <laughs> he sees where they're hiding in the dark. He sees, and He's going to expose them to the light sooner or later. They will pay the consequences of what they did to the believers in Jesus Christ. I'm testifying to you, and my testimony is this psalm. I've always believed that God was preparing me for victory ever since I was a little boy because I've experienced more failures than anyone I knew at the time. I failed so many times that I lost count. I cried out to God many times, Why? Then I can count. What the Lord was doing in my life, I understood it a little bit back then, but I understand it a lot more now. What the Lord was doing is that He was teaching me how to get up faster and faster and faster every time I failed. <laughs> That's what He was doing. Every time. The javelin of the enemy hit me hard. The Lord was teaching me to get up quickly and not to stay in my failure. You know, there are two things that you cannot do simultaneously. And I'm not talking about walking and chewing gum at the same time. No, no. I'm talking about trusting God on the one hand and fleeing on the other. You cannot do both at the same time. You're either going to do one or the other. You're either going to trust or you're going to flee. You're either going to flee or trust. The two cannot go together. Oh, but listen. Running away and fleeing is beneath the dignity of a prince and a princess, for that's who we are in Christ. Running away is beneath the dignity of the royal blood that flows through our veins. Running is beneath the dignity of who our Father is. I want to illustrate what I'm really trying to say. Lord Alfred Tennyson was England's poet laureate in the 1800s. One day he was summoned into Queen Victoria's private quarters, most powerful woman in the world at the time. She was going through some very dark days. She was going through some tough times. In fact, she was really thinking about abdicating her throne. And so she brought and invited this man who was renowned for his wisdom, and she began to speak to him, and here he is, the poet laureate of England, sitting there with Queen Victoria, listening to her, expressing some very powerful and deep emotions, some deep fears and anxieties. And the poet laureate of England looked her after she finished speaking, and he said to her, Thou art royal, therefore endure. Endure. Thou art royal, therefore endure. Whatever you're about to run away from, remember this. Thou art royal, therefore endure. You say, Michael, you don't understand. I have just reached the end of my rope. Well, good. Tie a knot on it. (laughs) I've been there, and I'm not just preaching at you. Hang in there because God... Is it the other end of faith? The answer is coming. God will give you strength. Therefore, do not flee. Do not flee. Someone would say, well, Michael, you really don't understand. I'm being bitterly criticized. Are you kidding? I know all about that. Listen to me. Fear of criticism is the kiss of death in the courtship of accomplishment. Did you get that? Fear of criticism is the kiss of death in the courtship of accomplishment. And if you're a person who is easily manipulated with emotions, you are not going to live victorious life. Amen. I'm going to tell you why. Because the devil knows. And what the, when the devil knows that, what he's going to do? He's going to see to it that there's a person, or there's a pressure, or there is obstacle, or something that is going to try to knock you off the course of the mark of your high calling. Don't let him. Tell him, how can a man, how can a woman such as I flee? I challenge you today, in the name of the Most High God, don't flee to the mountains. Keep on playing the harp, because the day is coming when you're going to reign and rule with Him. Father, in the name of Jesus, and all of the power that's in that name, which we do not even comprehend in this uh, free-for-all society, we pray that as it gets darker, even in the churches, that we will shine brighter in these dark days. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would come and give your people the strength and the power that you would challenge us not to flee. Indeed, that you would give us the strength to storm the enemy's camp, that we take a stand in every arena in which you have placed us, that, Father God, that the whole world will come to know you through us. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.